this is Dee, and you're listening to Cut to the Chase with Greg Proctor. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Gregory Proctor. Welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase, episode 33, Brandpreneur. I know that word sounds very crazy to a lot of people. It even sounds very crazy to me. However, I've brought forth a special guest today that's going to help us understand why branding, brand growth, brand strategies, and all of these different adjectives, the way you describe branding, has become such a viral pandemic. I mean, we're talking like all over social media. We're talking all over the web. I mean, it's everywhere. Branding, branding, branding. You got branding consultants. You got brand marketing. You got brand this, brand that. It is like brand has become the newest, hottest, trending industry on the planet because everybody wants a brand. And so today, my special guest, and I'm going to call her D. I mean, everybody goes, hey, you know, Greg, you've always got some interesting ways to introduce people. So I'm going to see if she follows along with this before I give an opportunity to talk. (laughs) So our our special guest, D, is a brand growth strategist at Brandcraft Marketing. As a brand strategist, she works side by side with business owners to build and execute marketing plans that contribute to business growth or organizational growth. Now, some fact-finding that we found out about D, which I'm going to share with our listeners today, which was like, wow, you know, I was like, really? It's like, man, I didn't even realize that was legal. I remember when my dad used to say, all right, you know what, go out there and cut the grass. And I thought that was like child slavery. But hey, you know, we found out just through some research that throughout D's entire life, she's pretty much enjoyed roles in marketing, sales, and communications. She started marketing as an intern for Tri-City Americans at the age of 14. I hope that was just an intern. Was that paid services? We'll find out later. (laughs) Since then, she has been blessed to have uh, basically continued uh, found mentors and networking, uh, basically opportunities that she's been able to grow. And she's gone on to basically pursue a lot of these things and grow her career. It's been a lot of hard work. She's been bold enough to ask for chances, access mentorship, and take on things where in most cases, most people would say that's probably too hard. So we've really found out that she's a true, absolute go-getter in things that she's very passionate about. Her first job as a marketing intern for Tri-Cities America, which she started at the age of 14, she was actually there, listeners, for five years, from 14 to the age of 19. Of course, the job was unpaid, but it gave her an opportunity to build her network, learn the fundamentals of marketing and sales, and how to create professional connections, which basically ended up calling her later on in life. Now she's in a happy place where she works passionate with entrepreneurs in developing their brands, online content, and effective multi-channel marketing plans. Dee has been a brand growth strategist. She's been a digital marketing strategist. She's been an art commissioner. She's been a marketing director. She's been a social media lead. She's been a social media coordinator. Dee's attending or has attended Columbia Basin College, which I'm familiar with that school from working out there in the Tri-Cities. Overall, to our listeners, Dee is responsible. She's built a full-scale marketing plan that contributes to long-term growth for organizations. When not working in marketing, 
D also volunteers with TEDx of Richland. Everybody knows what TEDx is. I got my application in. I want to be a guest speaker on there, but hey, I haven't gotten a call. She also works as a board member for a Drew Cal, uh, what is that? Drew Boy Creative, and serves on the city of Kennewick's Art Commission. So, D, sometimes I don't do a very good job of introducing people. Do you have any opening remarks for our listeners? Well, I think you really nailed it. You did fantastic. But yeah, my name is Dee. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, Greg, you're such an awesome energy and you are such a good, great job at curating people to be on your podcast and ask great questions. So I'm just ready to dive in. I think you nailed it. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, Dee, hey, that's what Cut to the Chase is all about, <laughs> you know? So we're all ready to dive in. So Dee, my first question to you is... Let's, let's kind of set the boundaries here because I've been so intrigued because I get calls on emails and DMs across LinkedIn, brand strategist, brand this, sure. brand that. And so help us understand, can you can you kind of wrap us around what is the definition? I mean, what, what yeah. really is branding? Yeah, well, I, that's a really great question. And I'm sure there are lots of people who define it differently. Uh, but I'll give my definition and, and what I do every day as a brand strategist. Uh, branding kind of became this really big buzzword. It's always been a thing, but it became a really big thing, especially now with the internet, when you have people are inundated with all sorts of brands and branding, and you have people who become influencers and have personal branding and branding, it just became this big, important, ambiguous thing. Uh, for me, branding is, for me is, really understanding your core audience, the audience that is going to continually buy from you and be a lifetime uh, customer and somebody who's going to grow with your company. And how do we position ourselves to be their first choice in so many different ways? For some companies, we talk about brand positioning, which means how do we position your product in a market in a way none of your competitors do? whether that's locally, regionally, or nationally, whatever. Uh, for some companies, that's you have the right positioning, but your brand message is off. How you communicate to your customers is pretty off base. Uh, maybe your clientele is actually older than you are, so you need to change your tone. Maybe they're younger. Um, sometimes, very, sometimes not as often as you would think, it's a placement issue. Um, you're not placing your brand at the right place at the right time or on the right medium. Uh, so a brand strategist is really, I joke, it's kind of the jack of all trades. Uh, they're the person that can evaluate all the touch points of your brand, whether that's as simple as your name and your logo or as big as, you know, where your brand is being distributed, whether that's on social or on billboards or radio or on podcasts, like what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And so the brand strategist, uh, the role that I play is really to ensure that your brand is aligned, it's well positioned, and it's in a place that will grow with you and for you over time um, overall. Uh, because there's a lot of really great flash in the pan branding, right? You can come up with a really great social post that can go viral. You can say one really great line, uh, but at the end of the day, we want continual growth, something that we can contribute to and systems that we can build over time. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, that 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 was uh, quite an impressive uh, description <laughs> of branding. I mean, you know, when, when, when I started thinking about all of the questions that we were talking about, or excuse me, that I wanted to ask, I was like, you know, saying to myself, you know, I understand branding. I understand all the different, you know, things that, you know, these buzzwords that are coming up. But at the end of the day, it comes back to 
you know, like you stated, I mean, and, and some of the things is the importance of understanding your audience to growth and the positioning that you have, which mm-hmm. basically you kind of answered my, my first question um, <laughs> with regards to why do customers choose, i.e. companies or products or services over the competition, you know, and, totally. and, like, you, and like you stated, you know, it's, it's, it's about you being their first choice. And, yeah. and, and certainly, I'm going to add a contrast here, okay? And I, I mean, I want you to kind of play along with me because I think this is kind of fun. So <laughs> let's let's add the contrast of say, okay, now we're not really talking about a company or organization or product or service, but let's just say you're talking about the individual self, okay? Sure. Do, do you take the same approach that you would do with a company and you apply those same factors to an individual? And if so, what are those factors? Uh, you absolutely can. Yeah, I think that at times, I mean, I think it's sometimes easier, sometimes more challenging. There's there's pros and cons to both. When you're doing branding as an individual, personal branding, um, whatever you want to call that, um, you're going to ask the same questions that I would ask an organization. One, um, what makes you different than other options out there? as specifically as possible. Um, One example I use all the time is if you're a grocery store and you say that your differentiator is that you have the freshest produce, every grocery store says that. So we need to Mm -hmm. dig really deep. Um, What differentiates me? Uh, Who is my target audience? And and that seems like a really obvious one to ask, but let's get really deep. Um, What is their challenge? What is their Um, biggest struggle? What are their maybe insecurities that you solve? And and these are all questions that I would ask an organization that apply it to a personal brand as well. Um, And also, uh, what's something that you can actually uphold and grow over time? Sometimes when we talk about brand positioning, um, we often will say sometimes our brand positioning might be a little bit aspirational, um, which is good. We want our brand positioning to last years and years, not a quarter, right? So when we determine that brand positioning, what is something that makes me different than any other option out there? That could be price, that could be experience, that could be literal service offered, whatever that might be. Um, I often say don't rely on price as your differentiator because it's not scalable all the time. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's lots of ways to differentiate. What can I uphold the longest? And uh, what's going to make sense for the people that I work with the most? Um, and then really drilling deep into those questions. So, okay, if this is my position and this, these are the people that I serve, um, now what does that look like in um, a logo, in a color, in the words I use, the words I don't use? What does that look like in a tagline? What does that look like in my design language? What does that look like in my tone? You kind of really dive in deep. Um, what does that look like as far as placement? Um, you know, are, are most of my customers or clients or audience, whatever that is, more likely to follow me around on Instagram or LinkedIn or both. How do I differentiate those strategies? So you you start really broad with those questions we started with and we break it down deeper and deeper and deeper until all of a sudden we're talking about execution, which means we're ready to talk about an actual marketing plan. Um, So if you are looking into brand strategy and you're not talking about brand positioning, you're not talking about um, your target audience and a lot of specificity. You're not talking about tone. You're also not talking about growth. Like, how am I going to grow my positioning over time? And that, you know, if my positioning is really tied around the experience of my service, 
um, that's great because I can incorporate that experience as I grow my services and diversify my services, um, which is an opportunity to grow my revenue, grow my income. Um, versus if my positioning is really about a specific service, how am I going to grow that income over time with that individual service? So you really want to ask kind of tough growth questions to you in that process. Uh, but that's really where it starts is brand positioning. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, you, you've brought up some really just concrete valid points. And the reason why I threw the contrast in there is because one of the things that social media has done, it has really kind of brought forth, like you stated, what, what you stand for, what sets you apart, but it's also brought about your reputation. It's also brought forth personality because, you know, People can have a business-minded mindset and always be about business. And guess what? That won't necessarily sell on a, let's say, an Instagram. That won't necessarily sell on a Facebook where people are wanting to know who's behind curtain number one and what are they like or who's behind curtain number two and what are they like. And so when I start thinking about the individual branding aspect and the reason why I threw that into the contrast it's because now I'm starting to see people really kind of open up and share kind of their their expressive feelings, you know, really mm-hmm. trying to connect and be more genuine. We did a podcast earlier today, and the question that we were trying to basically divulge in was really, do we genuinely care about people? And I think this also kind of ties into branding because guess what? Your message can't always be about making money. You know, mm-hmm. sell, 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 because some people are just going to be like, you know what? That's a turn off for me. What else are you going to do for me? I really don't yeah. want to hear that. You know what I mean? Right. I would say, too, though, um, and one thing that we often have to balance, too, is well, we, we always do want to be authentic, obviously. Mm-hmm. And people really can see through that, at least in my line of work and what I'm doing. We are there is an end goal to make money. So we also can't shy away from doing the sell. You just have to do it right. You have to really understand the problem you're solving and talk about um, the problem you're solving in the customer's shoes. Uh, One thing that we use, and I actually recommend this book if if you're ever interested in branding, um, and it's called StoryBrand. StoryBrand also does a lot of certifications and things like that online. If you look up StoryBrand, you'll learn a lot. This is not original to me, Uh, but story brand is really the idea of writing your brand story with your customer as the hero of that story. So instead of me saying, I'm brand XYZ, and this is what I do for you, you say, hey, you are human number one. Do you feel this way? Do you have this problem? You know, back in like old school sales terms, it's kind of like question-based selling. (laughs) Instead of saying like, "Here's, here's the product, here's what I do, I'm amazing. You just say, do you feel this way? Are you having this problem? God, that sucks. And have a bit more empathy and and really, so you're selling them without selling them, so to speak. And and really having them come to you versus you trying to push yourself in front of them all the time. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's that's uh, that's absolutely spot on because, you know, your last statement there of, of pushing yourself in front of them all the time, based on some surveys that my team was able to go off and do, and I'm just going to bring one into kind of the, the mix of our conversation. It basically states, in accordance to the research, 80% of marketers believe brand awareness is extremely or 
very important. But 76% of the 80% admit they don't know what percentage of their target market market is aware of their brand. Mm-hmm. Well, how could how could that be? Because it's like, my God, if you're going out there spending thousands and thousands of dollars to narrow down your vision, to narrow down how you're represented and your reputation and your personality and all these things are shown. Yeah. How how could it be that only four percent or maybe yeah, four or five percent get it right? I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> well, some of that too is it's something that's very difficult to measure, especially depending on the size of your market. And yeah. most of mid-sized organizations, and I'm going to describe mid like 15 employees or up, they're kind of at this te- teetering point where they're large enough to really have a substantial marketing budget, but they're not quite over that hump where they have all this brand awareness where they don't have to push their budget as hard, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're not like a Coca-Cola who can put up one billboard, people know what Coca-Cola is, but they still have a substantial marketing budget, they're doing well. And really brand awareness tends to cost more and you have more limited tracking of brand awareness because it really requires what you were kind of referencing, serving and trusting people to be honest. (laughs) Um, So usually what we find with our clients is we start with lead generating marketing. We're gonna try and find your customer at the right touch point to get them to purchase and make something faster. Um, so a really common one for that is search engine marketing. If you're a divorce lawyer, they search divorce lawyer, a divorce lawyer ad comes up, they click, they call. Um, really, that's a straightforward example, but we try to find that. Like, where can we find um, the, the most qualified leads that will close quickly and have the best cost per acquisition um, and start there? As we start optimizing that, whatever that channel is for that industry, we kind of grow into, okay, so we've done really well in this lead generating channel. We're going to kind of expand into other lead generating channels. Usually this is depending on the size of the market, how competitive of an industry it is, those sort of things. That's like a, a two to, you know, two to three year investment. Like let's get our lead generating channels as optimized as possible. Meaning mm-hmm. we know exactly what to spend. We know exactly what we're going to spend per lead those sort of things. Once you've established that, I meaning we have revenue coming in and frankly, you're getting enough money in to pay for my service, let's look at brand awareness. Now we're at a point where we know we can rely on some consistent revenue streams that we can now go into brand awareness that takes an even longer, uh, even longer investment. You spend more upfront and don't get to collect or track the benefit till later on. Um, and then at some point you can then look at doing the right surveying it takes to understand your reputation with the community. Um, and it really works well. And you know, as, as a marketing or a brand strategist, I'm not always in control of your, I'm actually absolutely not in control of your reputation. Your reputation is really dictated by you as an organization, how you treat your customers, how you, you know, present yourself in the community. Uh, but I will say, in all of the work I have done and all of the clients that we work with at Brandcraft, you can see a pretty clear difference between organizations that invest in their reputation versus the ones that do not. Uh, the ones that invest in the, their reputation uh, alongside our lead gen marketing just always perform better and always grow those channels faster because of the work that they do with their brand reputation. So it's a really interesting thing that you can't measure in specificity usually very well. Uh, but you can see it in other um, channels and how they correlate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
totally, totally, uh, totally relatable and, and, and great, great points because, you know, now, and as I'm talking about, you know, all of this branding stuff, it just reminds me of, you know, I'm going to share with our audience just a little bit of, of a little secret. And I, and I guess it really isn't too much of a secret if I'm sharing it with you, right? <laughs> but, but anyway, you know, I started this podcast, what, three months ago, and, you know, it, it's really taken off. And so for the longest time, me being, you know, an entrepreneur with a management consultancy firm, I've just, I've just been opposed to basically having like Facebook, Instagram, and all these other social media channels. Sure. But I have recently discovered and been able to just, you know, find the power of putting yourself in these positions that your followers and followings and, and, and the amount of growth that you can have is almost exponential. And I'm kind of kicking myself now going, my God, why didn't I do this sooner? You know, but, right. but, you know, but it was just one of those things where I just had this reluctancy because of all of the unknowns uh, of, 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 of particularly, you know, not knowing how to kind of move forward. And, and since then, you know, we've brought on brand strategists ourselves. We brought on content developers. We brought on all these different people to kind of help charter that water and navigate the storm for us. But, you know, our our performance wise, you know, I think we look at every single morning we talk about the matrices of what's going on on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram and all of those different social media platforms, because it's important for us not only to continue to captivate our audience, but also continue to to grow our audience Mm -hmm. as we have been over the past, you know, few months that we've been operating as a podcast right and so and so i think those points that you've talked about is, is you know is is in value and i think now it's even more significant because you you can kind of get those analytics a little bit more real time based on when you do place an ad or when you do put mm-hmm. a post or something out there these things uh typically are able to to get you some type of data back for you to be able to say yes this is working or no it's not Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the benefits of digital channels is that information. Uh, I do sometimes think there's unrealistic expectations on the turnaround time still. Um, and you being someone who just launched something, you know, within the last few months, know this, it's still a lot of hard work. Um, oh, yeah. Right. Like it's a lot of testing. It's a lot of what we like to say at Brandcraft is failing fast. Like, let's try something and fail at it quickly and move on to the next thing. Um, and it takes a long, it takes a long investment. Um, and, and the numbers got to make sense. You know, if you're launch an ad, whether, you know, whatever social media channel that is this week, uh, but you're only reaching a thousand people. If you look at the click through rates on average at about 2%, like, of course, you're not going to get a lot out of that. Right. So you really got to look at all the metrics understand what is a sign of success, what isn't. Uh, and there's a lot of really technical aspects to that, um, which really grateful. We have a really killer digital team that I work with at Brandcraft that stays on top of a lot of those trends. But um, yeah, it's, it's there's no uh, set it and forget it is what I'll yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I can't agree with you more there. You know, the set it and forget it is it's just not even... It's not even plausible. I mean, it just uh, just doesn't work. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about. Are you still with me? Yes. So let's talk a little bit about what I would basically say is I'm I'm kind of toying between whether or not we jump into some determination of 
brand attributes. I mean, what are some of those things that you guys bring forth with your with your customers? I know we've talked about helping them evaluate and helping them try to put together guidance and routines that help them understand the identifier of their brand. But what are some of the good, the bad, and the ugly? <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, well, I mean, I think that it's a, it's a big, beautiful mix of all of the things, right? Um, you know, at Brandcraft, we talk about being a growth marketing agency. Uh, and really, it's been interesting. I've been with Brandcraft the last two and a half years. Um, when I started at Brandcraft, I was one of their first ongoing marketing hires. When we started, Brandcraft originally started as primarily a creative agency. They did websites, branding design, really great design work. Uh, but they knew that they wanted to get into digital marketing, ongoing marketing, um, which is why I was hired. And it was really, you know, when we started, it was, you know, five of us in a closet. And now we have about 20 employees. We have this beautiful building. Um, and we kind of took the, on this growth marketing and sales approach with ourselves. And uh, we found that the clients that we worked with initially that also applied that same growth marketing and sales approach were the ones that have stayed with us for years and that we've done the coolest things with and that have sent us referrals for clients that we work with best. And we're like, oh, this is something, this works for us. Um, right. And it was, it was really cool. I think that yeah. what comes with that yeah. process, whether you start with, typically we start with some form of brand positioning, like I've already talked about, and go into full-scale marketing. You know, you really have to look closely at your brand. And, and I think the probably the best role that I play in those meetings is a bit of a devil's advocate, a little sure, bit. Sure. Um, you know, you yeah. say that your brand is confident, but also humble. Those are contradicting. So which one is actually true, right? Sure. Or, you know, sometimes what we do, we right. do a pretty large competitor audit that kind of shows if I'm a consumer, I'll do research and pretend I'm a consumer in the market and I will kind of organize my thoughts with all of your competitors' branding based on what I saw as a consumer, not based on what I know with insider knowledge, not based on what I know as someone who's been a customer, just as someone who's shopping the market. And sometimes it gets really painful to let go what we know about our competitors versus what our customers don't, <laughs> right? Like you might know that this competitor, their branding might say that they're um, you know, the most affordable or the fastest service in something. And you might know as someone in the market that that's completely not true. That yep. doesn't matter. shopping, They don't know that they don't have that insider information that you do. And so you still have to find a position that beats that position, even if they don't uphold it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's it's still what the consumer experiences. So I would say one of the more painful um, parts of the process in the beginning is kind of being the devil's advocate there and say, let go of what you know, and let's put ourselves in the shoes of the customer. Um, and I would say kind of playing that role throughout the process right, is really right. kind of where that, that the hard part happens. Um, and we warn people like, Hey, there's going to be a point of tension today, but we're going to get through it. And that means we're doing the right work. So <laughs> take a yep. deep breath. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, D, this has been, wow, this has been outstanding. The information you've been able to provide to the listeners talking about branding, brand growth, brandpreneur. 
I mean, this is uh, this has been quite insightful. Are there <laughs> any closing remarks or any take takeaways you'd like to offer to our audience as they may be looking for brand strategists or companies to engage with to help them develop their brand? What would you say? Absolutely. I mean, I would say look at the portfolio of work. Um, nothing is better than proof in the pudding. Um, I also would recommend if you're looking into um, whether it's hiring a brand strategist or looking into a brand strategist position to hire on in your company, definitely make sure it's someone who kind of understands revenue growth um, and in addition to marketing uh, principles, just because marketing is supposed to hopefully make you more money. And um, other than that, I also recommend the book Story Brand, um, which I mentioned earlier. It's a really, really great book about how to really message your brand effectively and something that we use in our office all the yeah. time. Right, right, right. Well, Dee, thank you very much. We It's been a delight to have uh-huh. you on board and certainly, uh, you know, you have now been dointed with, uh, you know, the sacred water of the podcast. Oh, my god! I'd like gosh. to give you a virtual hug for this Thank being you. your very first podcast. I'm so and excited. give you a big woo-hoo. <laughs> she did. I made it. I didn't get the hiccups. I was so worried I'd get the hiccups for some reason, and it didn't happen. So we made it. Cool, cool, cool. Well, listen, Dee, we'd like to go ahead and just say to our listeners so we can stop our recording, this has been great. This is episode 33, Brandpreneur. I'm your host, Gregory Proctor. This is Cut to the Chase. Bye-bye, people. Have a good one.